This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter Podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. You're listening to the Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. And surrender to the realness of the moment, of every minute. Heaven is right where you are, step in it. Your sanctuary is where we really live. We underestimate and don't give faith enough credit. We give doubt life when we could just dead it. Negative thoughts so ill, we need a medic. The scripts in the minds need a real good edit. A rewrite. Show doubt the door. That is the exit. Breathe, believe. The fear don't feed. The memory of the mistakes you made don't need it. The life you want, see it. See it. Who you want to be, be it. No doubt, no fear. Just breathe. No doubt, no fear. You No doubt, no fear. Just breathe. No doubt, no fear. Sometimes we gotta talk to ourselves. Yeah. Talk to ourselves for our own mental health. Right? Talk to ourselves every single day. Uh huh. But don't pay attention to what it is we say. Mm. Now, how to best do it? Be intentional as we go through. See? With you and yourself at the table. Ready and be honest, cause sometimes yourself ain't able to believe the unseen. Sometimes yourself ain't kind, yourself can be mean. Sometimes we gotta put our mind in check. Why? Because you deserve respect. No doubt, no fear. Just breathe. No doubt, no fear. You Just breathe. 
creer es saber que el viento solo te trae preguntas, que tus pies plantados en tierra son tu conexión a multitudes. Creer es conocer que el tiempo te trae oportunidades para recibir la belleza que tu Welcome back to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter on Detroit is different. I'm in the studio with the token millennial. What's up, Brittany? Just a little bit. <laughs> Y'all, Piper was just in here getting it. And she took me through like two eras worth of dancing. She was in here voguing. She was showing me the 70s version of the twerks. Like, nah. <laughs> she was showing me, who was that used to do that dance on, um, that reminded me, what was the show Bill Cosby had? In the 70s, when he was like the cartoon. Oh, you're talking about Fat Albert? Fat Albert, oh, yeah. like how they used to be dancing on there. Oh, yeah. That's the original funk dance. Oh, my God. That was amazing, Piper. You oh. was hitting it. Oh, thank you. What's up, Pipe? I'm chilling. Um, Actually, even though we had to come in through, you know, this thunderstorm, um, I'm really happy about the weather the last few days. It's been hot. I love the heat. People were complaining that it was too hot. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. It was so hot. It was hot, but it wasn't like... It was like sweltering. Come on now. But it was good. I Like, I love it. Like, I'm not going to complain. It's been... I wasn't... I'll just say it may have been hot, but I wasn't uncomfortable. Maybe because I was just so happy to be... That, that the weather finally broke. I was so happy Me that too. the weather broke. So, okay. We were talking about what happened this weekend. Yeah, we were. And... One thing that um, happened this weekend that I went to was one of the opening um, celebration events for James Jimmy Boggs. Mm. Um, I don't know if people know about Grace Lee Boggs. The um, name sounds really... So, okay, so James and Grace Lee Boggs, um, activists... Um, legendary activist. She's mm-hmm. Chinese American. He's mm-hmm. African American. He's from Detroit. I think she was originally from New York City. Um, they lived here. They're global um, activists and educators and organizers. The, so they actually organized or on the team mm-hmm. um, organizing the original march. That was the practice march to the March on Washington that King did. So the original one came down Woodward Avenue to Cobo Hall. And um, they and and King came. And so that was the original Mm -hmm. one. So it was in Detroit. So they were actually co-organizers of that. But they also had a home in the in the country where they would host people and um, do like, you know, read and do study groups and do a lot of um, political education and training of worldwide activists and thinkers and academics and community leaders. Um, And he had been um, one of the union organizers and very heavy in the union organizing. Um, And this would have been his 100th birthday. Um, Grace Lee Boggs had her 100th birthday a few years ago. Okay. She was actually still alive. Okay. Um, But throughout um, this week... The Boggs Center, which is the center where that is named after them, which is actually the home where they lived, which is on the east side of Detroit, has a whole week of incredible programming dedicated to uplifting his legacy because a lot of the work had been done to uplift her legacy. And 
now they want to uh, make sure that his legacy is uplifted as well. That's amazing. Yeah, super amazing. So I went to um, one of the opening events. It was at the Cast Corridor Commons, one of our favorite places. Yes, yes. Um, they had great food. Shouts out to Mama Neza, great vegan chef. The food was mm. incredible. Um, what were some of the things? And shouts out to Emiex. Um, what were some of the things that she served? Well, let's see. She had this like vegan. Well, she did a vegan taco bar. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's so and dope. so there was like they used like vegan queso, like vegan cheese, vegan like this kind of vegan. I'm calling it calling it like hamburger crumble, but it was like made you know like plant based. Plant based. Okay. There was um obviously some really great like kale to put on it for lettuce. Um, you know you've got. Uh, some interesting, like a a curry, um, chickpea kind of Jamaican inspired with potato um, stew. Sounds delicious. With, with peas and everything. Um, and then there was black beans, like vegan black beans. Um, I mean, it was just really, it, obviously, tomatoes, salsa. Oh, it was a mango salsa that she made. Mango salsa. Oh, so good. And everything was made from scratch. Mm-hmm. So it all tastes amazing. Shouts out to Mama Neza. Shouts out. And then um, there was this uh, incredible jazz band. One of my youth, who's now Roman, um, who was the drummer for this quartet, they played a lot of Coltrane and they did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a brother from the community that's a really good friend of Kari Frazier's named Sterling. Oh, yeah. I've heard of Sterling. Yeah, he hosted. And he actually co-organized the celebration so it was really cool they had books for sale some of his um writings and things Mm. that they've turned into a book to sell to keep the center going so they can continue to do this type of programming um they also offer um different workshops and things um shouts out to ed whitfield because actually um the day before that okay there was a talk that was at the bog center that Ed Whitfield led and Ed Whitfield lives in North Carolina and he does a lot of economic justice Mm. and he spoke about capitalism and how we can move forward with new economies and new ways of thinking and new work and new ways of doing things. And um, it was pretty powerful and uh, community gathering people came together to discuss that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, so wait, so you more, I was going to say we, but you have enlightened me on a few different perspectives of capitalism and its effect on us and almost like every part of our society and the way we think and do. So what, with your knowledge and your expertise on capitalism, (laughs) what did you gain from hearing him talk about it from his perspective? Mm, I think... It's interesting to see folks. So he came from, um, I'm going to say, he comes from um, a space of being a philanthropist. Okay. And so he can, come, it, his critique come out of that kind of work. And so he's a part of a collective that is a part of this food justice network, this, this, nat, this national food justice network that looks at different ways of um, sustaining ourselves and they do it through um, food cooperatives. And so his perspective and vision 
is around um, the most marginalized or most vulnerable communities having access to affordable, fresh, healthy food and produce and in and also participating as being producers and not just consumers. Gotcha. And so with that, in addition to farming, urban farming and urban ag, also um, urban agribusinesses, as well as cooperatives and cooperative structures. And so cooperative structures are where the community has co-ownership. And that means that they have say in the uh, rules, regulations, if you will, Mm. principles, values, and decision-making, and they also share in the profits. So there's a share in the work, but it's a share in the benefit. And so um, it's a different model. Uh, But Remember we had Baba Malik on here from Mm -hmm. D-Town Farms. They're creating a co-op as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, he's with a co-op in North Carolina, Ed Whitfield is, that is, I'm going to say, it's an experiment where they're working this out. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's awesome because it lets you in on like-minded people that are in other spaces that not are doing better things, but are just doing things differently. Mm. I mean, and that's the goal, right? It's to find like-minded people that are doing things that are different, that aren't necessarily doing the same thing as you, but that inspire you to say, okay, this is what I want to do. A little bit of, this is what I'm doing. I can take a little bit from him and add it to what I'm already, you know, already mm-hmm. creating. So that's that's cool. Was Baba Malik there? No, no, he didn't make it. Okay. That but been... Ed Whitfield is in this national cooperative. So they, yeah, they've crossed paths him. before. Yeah, they do work together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's they, dope. They do get counsel one another. So that oh, was cool. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, he wrote a piece and he discussed it and it was really uh, inspiring and you know just the discussion um, included different community members just like letting us know um, yet like you said just different solutions mm-hmm. speaking of which I gotta bring we gotta bring Tawana Petty on here shouts out to Honeycomb because she's been doing a lot of work um, to inform us about the updating of um, the police surveillance and so we gotta we gotta like bring her is that in the, here. The green light, green light is one of them. One okay. But in general, the police department has access to this facial recognition technology, and they plan to use it um, widely and randomly, and not just <laughs> for the sake of to the, to, to to criminalize yeah. regular folks, if you will. So uh, we got to bring her on here and do a whole show on that. that. Yeah. Let let me see when I can get her on here. Okay. Um, What's another thing? So, okay. Something that's very pressing are these debates. We didn't talk about them last week. It's interesting because this week is supposedly Independence Day on the 4th. And it's so funny because, like, (laughs) my Lyft driver was like, what are you doing for the holiday? And I was like... What holiday? <laughs> and I don't, I didn't mean, I just didn't really think of the fourth as a holiday. But um, <laughs> he was like, looking at me like, what on earth? Then he was like, uh, were people barbecue? I was like, oh man, you know what? I'm vegan. And like, 
pretty much everyone around me is vegan and no one ever talks about barbecue unless I get around like regular folks. <laughs> uh, that sounds bad, regular folks. But um, <laughs> but I was just thinking to myself like, wow, yeah, nah, like I'm really never around barbecue. Yeah, I love barbecuing even though I don't eat meat. Like, uh, Well, I like to roast corn. Yeah. But That's I know fun. I, I still know what you mean though. Like I know what you mean. I just don't be at places where like, people have whole slabs of meat and ribs cook coming them. off the grill, no. burgers. I just don't be around that like that. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. But um shout out to everyone that's going to be celebrating that in whatever way they are. And yeah. So it's what on a Thursday. So shout out to The fourth is on a Thursday. Shout out to everybody having a day off work. Yeah, shout out to everyone that has a day off work. And that's going to probably go barbecue on the weekend. Oh, yeah. It'll be a Speaking of which, I went on Belle Isle. If people don't know, Belle Isle is an island. It sits next to Detroit. There's a bridge. And it's kind of our, Mm. it's our equivalent of Central Park. I never heard nobody say it like that. What? It's an island that sits next to Detroit. That's literally what it is. Mm, Yeah, I guess it is. Detroit. It is but Detroit, it, but it's really. I mean, it's an island. Yeah, it's an island. Sits, and then you take the, um, the bridge. Mm-hmm. So I rode my bike. Okay, so I got invited. Shouts out to Robin Kenny and Motor City Woman. Okay, shouts out. She owns, runs, it has created, formed, um. Motor City Woman. It's a podcast studio. Mm. She, you know, how we we have Detroit is different. She has Motor City Woman. She does great. She mentors other women. Um, There's different shows that are on her um, network. Wow. She, so uh, another woman named Erin Allen created this podcast festival. And so you were telling us about last week. Right. And that was a few days long. So they did a Motor City Woman brunch inside the podcast festival. And they did it at Le Petit Dejeuner. And that's on Jefferson Avenue in Detroit. And so um, what they did, they have a little stage there. And so I did a little interview with one of my friends and colleagues, Onita Jackson, who had a column on the free press called O Street and it was a very successful column and she left that and created a taxi company, really cool taxi company where she marketed it and she had pictures and, and a card and social media and it was like, really she was like a, a, a driver, you know, for different folks. That's cool. It was cool. There's a lot of stuff she could do with that. And then she yeah. also made these t-shirts, um, mm-hmm. Detroiter, from Detroit, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, the really with the check box, right? It's really cool. Um, Shouts out to her. That's so creative. She she writes like she wrote a book called Nappy Headed Negro. That sounds familiar. And then she also wrote this um, etiquette book mm. that's like super cool. So I interviewed her, and um, we went to Howard University together. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, that's like, you know, how you have people that are just like you know, and they're your friends and they're dynamic. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to, you know, interview her. What they did um, was kind of feature us and it was like just 15 minutes of the podcast. So I did like 15 minutes of the podcast 
and it was during the brunch. The only thing is, though, it was a little bit difficult because, you know, people are there to have brunch. They're not really there to, like, listen to you yap, you know. So, but a lot of people were there to enjoy the podcast. And um, I think that the people that were there, um, that were there to enjoy the podcast, enjoyed it. I got a lot of great feedback. One of the other podcasters gave me a great book about um, women in business. And so I have yet to read this book. I'm going to read this book. So thank you to her. Yes, yes. I met um, a DJ and a music producer, women. What? They're from here, but they live in Chicago. So um, I asked her to send me some beats. She was like, cool. And she was adorable. She was the cutest thing ever. Had on this pretty dress and she's like a beast and she's a sound engineer and all that. So I was like, this is wonderful. Um, So she's like... She's really into sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's her thing. That's yeah. what she does. She's been, she travels. That's all she does. Mm-hmm. So that was dope. That's dope. Yeah. I want you to meet her. Like, I love she's really cool. Um, and then what else did I do? So after that, I rode my bicycle onto Belle Isle. And now normally, <laughs> when I was a, when I, back in my day, <laughs> but um, for real though, in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. You were able to, in the 2000s, before they came up with this ridiculousness, um, you were able to just go into Bell Ohio, right? It was the best part of my memories as a Detroiter, even though I, I snuck on all last summer, every Sunday I would sneak on. Well, You're telling me I can't do that no more. Well, this is the thing. You just would go onto the island. You could, you know, bring your food and... Relax with your family with their blankets and, mm-hmm. you know, go to the beach. There's a beach there. You could drive around. They've got the zoo. They've got the conservatory. They've got um, a giant slide. They have a huge fountain. They've got, you know, um, different, like, jungle gym and this kind of thing. And Or you could ride your bike around. They have the lake. And you could do, you know, like, can, k- kayaking or canoeing or um, paddle boating, fishing. I mean, you could just do park-type stuff, right? hmm So, Detroit is an 85% black city. And so, normally when you go into Belle Isle, you see hundreds, right, of, like, black families having family reunions, whoa, whoa. barbecuing, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people doing all types of barbecue-type family stuff, right? Um, what really shocked me was before I got onto the island, I saw a sign that said you need to have like an authorized authorization passport to like go onto the island. I thought, huh, that's interesting. There was a long line of cars. So I was thinking, wow, everybody trying to get on the aisle, you know, because usually that's how it is in the afternoon, right? So we get, so I get on my bicycle, I get onto the island, I look left and I look right. To my left is one of those like toll booth thingies that you have to go through. Excuse me. And then the same thing to the right. And for both of them, you have to show your ID with this authorized pass. I'm not doing that. That with authorized passport to get onto the island. 
And they literally were stopping every person, like it was Auschwitz. I was like, wow. And so, thank goodness I didn't need it for my bicycle. And I hope I don't have to need it for a bicycle. But, right. you know, I rode past. And what do my wondering eyes appear? But a family of white folks <laughs> <laughs> BBQing, my dear. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. I mean, so the first batch of 50 I saw I mean now I saw Greek families Italian families you know just like suburban families I saw all types of families and I was like wow I had never seen white families now I've seen like the gentrifier with the little booty shorts and the tank top jogging I've seen a like like one maximum two gentrifiers cycling with their helmet i've seen them on the two-person bike cycling i've seen um maybe two of them walking the dog but i had never seen like whole families of white people just like it was interesting. So, like, majority of the island was all white families. Families. That was interesting to me. There were some Muslim, you know, Arab families. And then as I went all the way, so I went all around. I went to the aquarium. Mm-hmm. I went to the conservatory. You know, I drove around the fountain. I drove all around by where they had the kayaks and stuff. And then I went to... <laughs> I I got all the way, like, you know, when you're about to go off, mm-hmm. I think it's called Shed 5 or the one before Shed 5. I know what you're talking the about. The big one. Mm-hmm. They had, the Q's had their annual barbecue. Hey, held it down. All I saw was purple and gold and, like, brown. I would have loved that. I saw a bunch of dark-skinned men with I was say, did you purple see some- and gold. And it was, like, families. It was hundreds of them. It had to be, like, three, four hundred of them. And 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 some of them were on motorcycles. It was like, rawr, 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 rawr. and then some of them were doing a little, you know, step and stuff. And did, it was interesting. Did they give you? They were loud. They had their they had their hip hop playing so loud. And did they give you your old Belal feel? No, only because it was like everybody had on this purple and gold shirt. <laughs> so it was like. It couldn't really give you that because it was so overwhelmingly like Q dog. You know what I'm saying? Shouts out to the Qs, but yeah. It was like, yeah. I see that. It wasn't like, it didn't give you really like Belle Isle. It just gave you like, there's the Qs again. <laughs> yeah, type of thing, you know? So that was interesting. And um, yeah, shouts to them. So I left the island and, oh my goodness. So if you go off the island and you go to the right, like so, um, once you go over the bridge... And you're back onto Jefferson Avenue. Mm -hmm. And you cross over Jefferson Avenue. There's a um, gas station. So I went to the gas station because I was like super thirsty. And I was like, let me get something. Right. So I went there. I stopped in there to try to find something to drink. And I was like, eh. So I just, um, you know, I think I was in there like probably like seven minutes. Right. So I get I get my my um I got me some apple juice. So I said, yeah, so I got my juice and I'm leaving out. So I had parked my bicycle 
on the side of the gas station, there's like the diesel fuel thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the bumper. So you don't bump into the diesel fuel. So I locked my bike onto the bumper. But it's like by all the garbage and all that. There's like one parking space that's right there. Mm -hmm. So I go, I'm like, I'm unlocking my bike. But I'm like, it's like three, four. So let's call it like four in the afternoon, right? Let's call it around four in the afternoon. And I'm like, I'm just kind of taking my time. I'm unlocking my bicycle. So I'm like, okay. So I noticed this dude pulls up, right? He pulls up like right in front of the gas station. Like, you know, when you're in a hurry, you don't, you, you park like right there on the oh. side in the front. Yeah. He parked in that. I'm in a hurry spot. Oh my God. So I'm looking at him. So he gets out the car. He le- his music's on loud. So the music's on super loud. The music is so offensive. It's like B word this, F this, blah, blah, blah. So it's like so loud. And I was like, God. It, it was like not like regular offensive hip hop. It was like the extra offensive hip hop, oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh man, this guy. So he gets out. Now, mind you, it is, it's gotta be what, 90 degrees? Mm-hmm. Something like that, right? It's at least, let's say it's 85, 90 degrees. Everybody's sweating. Everybody has to stop and get water, juice, popsicles up. This dude got on a tank top and some shorts. Why does he hop out the car and put on this black hoodie? Bro, I cannot unlock my lock quick enough to get on my bike. <laughs> like, what is he doing? I don't know what happened, yo. All I know, he hopped out that joint and threw his hoodie on. He threw his hoodie on. He, What I mean is, not that a hoodie represents, you know, black, you know, uh, degradation, but it's 90 freaking degrees outside. Why are you putting a hoodie on? No, he throws on a black hoodie, bro. A black hoodie. A black zip-up hoodie. You know how hot it was? It was like a... Like a thick black hoodie. I was thinking like, oh, when I saw him pull it out, I was like, what is he doing with that thing? He must have took it off. No, he put it on. <laughs> and then not only did he put it on, he put the hood over his head. And then he put his hand in his pocket. And then he like walked fast as he could towards the um the gas station. I was like, oh, my God. I was I could not unlock my bike fast enough, but I got that joint unlocked. And, and I hopped did. on my bike. I was out. Pew! Like Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Meet me. <laughs> I was down the street. I was like, I am not a witness. The fact that you said meet me. <laughs> nah, but. So you enjoyed your day down on, on the east side of downtown. Yeah, it was cool. The weather was great. Um... You know, everybody was out on their motorcycles and their fun cars that they buy this is, <laughs> for the summer, you know, yeah. how people buy those fun like those, cars like, with the open top yeah. and you don't know what type of car it is and, and they know you don't know. And then it's like they pull up next to you and then they're like, hey, you pretty lady, you want to get in my car? And you're, like, and you're looking at them like, no, you know, maybe. Uh-uh. <laughs> Stop hilarious. No, this 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 weekend was beautiful. It was like the cracking of the summer. Like mm-hmm. it couldn't have been better. Like 
I didn't do the. Uh, I told you about River Days. How it was crazy down there. That was oh before last, and then Monday was with the fireworks. Yeah. So it was like crazy again. Yeah. I didn't go to the fireworks, but I saw like it I, rained. It did. Yeah. It rained and it kept the crowd down. Mm. There weren't a lot of people. There weren't a lot of people. Yeah, that's interesting. So. Let me see what I had written here. I wanted to talk about something. Oh, the debates. Yeah, the debates. The debates. Did you see them? Um, to be honest, I didn't watch them. I just saw the feedback from, on Twitter. Um, YouTube and Yahoo. I always look at the most surface sites I can look at and then go from there. I saw a lot of people who are in for Andrew Yang upset at the fact that he didn't get like as much time as mm-hmm. Some of like the other the front runners did, but it, you know I saw the typical things: mm-hmm. Camelia uh, Harris, and Joe Biden, and Elizabeth Warren, and who else made headlines? Uh, Bernie a little bit. It's just so many. There's yeah, so many. Twenty five, yeah. right? Like we were saying last week. Well, only twenty made the debate. Debate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I watch, I, the thing is, I don't have TV, mm-hmm. so I had to watch it on Twitter, but they showed it live on Twitter, which I thought was cool. They showed the whole live broadcast. That's so. really cool. Mm-hmm. So I watched it live on Twitter. Yeah, um, I watched both nights. Okay. And I, Gang was always my candidate. I just love his policies. Um, I feel like the Democrats... Really, honestly, for me, they should have gotten rid of Joe Biden when he said that this is before the debates, when he said that statement about how, you know, when he was trying to prove what he could do for the country and he was talking about he could work with segregationists. Like for me, the de- for the Democrats, I would have got rid of him then. Right. Like, oh, OK, because that already was telling um, Kamala Harris, it, she walked back. So they asked all the candidates, you know, who would, um, who has, you know, uh, in their plan for, uh, for healthcare, you know, coverage for undocumented folks. And so they all raised their hands. And then the next day, Kamala Harris had to walk that back, you know? So that was pretty interesting to see. It's like, okay, so you're going to lie in a live debate. <laughs> and they come back on when they ask you a direct question like, well, you know, uh, or, uh, uh, him. So that was interesting to see. I think Kamala Harris, you know what's difficult about her? It's like, you really do want a black woman to win. Like, that's like in your core, right? Like, yeah, go black woman. But... What is really the rub with her is that she was the prosecutor, right, in California. Mm -hmm. And many of her policies were really detrimental to black people and black mothers, right? Like, she, one of her policies was that criminalizing poor black women who had to work or who were, you know, unable to you know, had where their youth had uh, truancy issues and she was like, yeah, put them in jail. So there's that and some more other policies. You know, people are like, at the end of the day, she's still the police. 
So she still represents, you know, that system, right? Um, and yeah, that's the difficult thing is that any candidate, right? Like right now, for real, for real, the Democrats don't have any candidates that like speak to black issues. And the only person that even mentioned black issues at all was the white lady, right? Marianne Williamson. Yeah. So she talked about reparations. And as soon as she brought up reparations, they cut her mic. So like they cut her mic. They cut Yang's mic. When she spoke about racism, they cut her mic. So the thing is, America's problem is racism, white supremacy, anti-blackness. Flat out. And no one is speaking to any of that. The only one who slightly does is Marianne Williamson, although her number's really low. But it's like even Kamala Harris, when asked about her policies for black people, she's like, well, my my policies, you know, benefit all people. And so black people will benefit. But what black people really need is a candidate that's brave enough to say that they're willing to support, uphold and defend the black agenda. You know, um, a black agenda that's put forth by, you know, black people, the black community, the black caucus. Right now, the black caucus did develop a black agenda. I don't know. Shoot. Like two decades ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, there was another one that was developed about 10 years ago. Um, there's a few de- like, shoot, we developed the black agenda at Black to Just Transition, you know. Sure did, yeah. Um so there's a few black agendas, but no one is even willing to like stand up for a black agenda. And it's like these these politicians, I mean, the Democratic Party is really looking to get the conservative blacks and the and the and the black folks that's just gonna, you know, not be bothered by not having a black agenda. But for the most part, they're not, you know, they're not dealing with or speaking to black people. And so they're really not going to inspire folks to vote. And as a matter of fact, something that I find problematic and and, and really hurtful and difficult is most of my peers, people whom I would consider a peer, meaning, you know, they've gone to college, they're professional you know, they're around my age, you know, they have families, they have businesses or, you know, decent jobs, you know, own a home maybe. Um, you know, I mean, they, a lot of these black men that are my peers told me they're not voting. They said they're not participating. Um, and I asked the question, like, because most of them are like, we need to abstain so that they can see that we're serious. But my thing is, how does it look different to abstain than to not vote? Like, how, how does that look different? So, because the way it ends up looking is like, nobody votes. So because y'all don't vote, I don't have to speak to you. I don't have to create an agenda for you. I don't have to, you know what I'm saying? Include you in my agenda. So it's such a, like a, it's such like a hard thing because on the one hand, I agree. They haven't done anything for us. I agree. This system is not for us. I agree. But then it's like, okay, let's abstain from voting and then that'll show them. I'm like, okay, how do, how does it look different if I 
if I just don't vote, because I just don't feel like voting, it's not a political issue. I just sleepy. Like, what's the difference between that and abstaining? Like, how does that, how does that, how does that message, how was that message received? Like, to me, the message is not received. The message, I don't think the message is received. Like, oh, we better, they're not voting. We better do better. I, I, I feel it's like, oh, they don't vote. No way. So, so what? So it's just difficult. I think that they I I think if we if if we completely disappeared from the establishment and in, in the context of voting there would be all different types of campaigns aimed at us more so than with what it is now cuz our energy is always needed like I think Yeah, it, but we'd have to be unified in that, right? I agree. And it would, and it would have to be what I mean is in Detroit something like one percent of the people vote anyway one or two percent vote anyway so what i'm saying is how does it look different right if you're on the receiving end and you're looking at how how does it look different oh these people are abstaining because we're not taking care of them versus these people don't care about what happens to them that's why they don't participate like how does that look different it doesn't so that's what i'm saying so like abstaining with to me, have, the only way it would be effective is if it was only 1% voting and then, like, majority of people were like, I'm abstaining. Yep. But at this point, it's literally just people just not voting. I agree with you. So, that's I'm just saying it's difficult, I, right? It's I just will, difficult. It would be, it would be, I will say to you, if it was one person who said, I can help black people help themselves by pushing them, pushing policies that help them get more involved in their local politics and empowering empowering the empowering the city and state legislators and then saying my goal is is to give a public apology to black people mm. whether it be in writing at you know something well, that at least addresses that combination it. is in Yang and Marianne Williamson. True, because Marianne Williamson is talking about atonement, and Yang is talking about um, returning democracy to folks. Well, one of his policies is talking about that. So, true. I think, but it still doesn't speak specifically. Like, well. I would say Marianne Williamson is the only one actually speaking specifically to black folks because she did say um, on her campaign trail, she has named black people on the campaign trail and she did name reparations. So I would say she's the only one who actually is, you know, definitive and identifying, you know, that she's specifically talking about African-Americans. It's, it's just going to be rough. It's yo. crazy to me that in, 2019, we I mean you and I had a, I think a, a pretty good conversation about gay rights and the LGBT community and the misconceptions and the thing you know the things that they've been through and how they've been able to. To me, and what what I got out of the conversation we had about the LG, uh, the LGBTQ community is is that they've stopped taking no for an answer. They just have they. At the end of the day, no matter what you agree with their how they do what they do during gay pride, shouts out to gay pride. It was a beautiful gay pride month. I feel like a lot of people, a 
lot of people put a lot of good effort into uh, attending gay pride or at least recognizing it and not speaking negative on it when they did speak, you know, mm-hmm. recognizing it. But, you know, whether you like the movement, whether you are with the movement or not, when you see that rainbow, you know what time it is. Yeah. Flat out. I think so, too. What is interesting, I've been doing some... um research not not like heavy duty research mm-hmm. like but just a little bit of research um have you ever heard of stonewall not just you based off you saying it now so stonewall is considered like a definitive moment for the lgbtqai community okay and it, long story short there's a couple of different um versions of the story i'll tell you one version that one of my queer friends who is about 60 something years old Mm -hmm. and was around at that time um told me so in san francisco there was this bar Mm -hmm. and liza minnelli um died right and so two days later a lot of the gay community went all in, you know, to go mourn her death. And the one, there was this one gay bar in, in, and in San Francisco and in New York city, a lot of places, the so-called mafia used to run a lot of the gay establishments, queer establishments. I didn't know that. And so they had it where, you know, they knew when they were going to get raided. Um, you know, they would, protect the guys and things and help keep them from getting arrested. But then sometimes they would give them up for being arrested. I've also been told that a lot of the black queer folks were the folks that the cops were giving up and they were protecting white folks. Um, And there's, there's actually a good, there's actually like two good documentaries. One is the, the Stonewall documentary. There's actually like three. Okay. One is um the Life and Times of Harvey Milk. One is um this Stonewall documentary, which I can't remember the name of it. And another one is um Marsha Johnson, the death and life of Marsha Johnson. Marsha Johnson was a black drag queen. Mm. That's how she self-identified at that time. Mm. Although today I don't know if Marsha would be con- would consider herself trans because of her fluidity, the way she went between men and um, dressing like a woman. So I don't know. I don't want to speak on that. But let's say at the time she self-identified as a drag, as a drag queen. Okay. And she was very vocal. She was murdered. And she was murdered speaking out against the mafia. Oof. And so um, there's that. The Harvey Milk thing is he was a, I think it was called a state, not a state secretary, but he was in charge of, um, it was like one of the state positions, local state positions in San Francisco. He was murdered by this man named Dan White. Dan White was a white supremacist who decided to take a gun and kill him. He was also a state, the same kind of position as Harvey. He was Mm -hmm. in like the same cabinet, just a different district. 
and um, he murdered Harvey and he murdered the mayor of um, San Francisco wow. at the time. And so um, that That's was a huge crazy. thing. Right, right then together, he just went and pow, pow. So that was a huge thing. Ironically, that happened 10 days after Jonestown, which wow. was also San Francisco, right? So it's all pretty interesting. Um, I know that. There's a milk, like, so there's a Harvey Milk documentary. There's a Harvey Milk film, and Sean Penn played Harvey Milk. He did a great job. Oh, yeah. I think I saw this. You saw that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good film. Um, it talks about it. Um, the documentary is incredible. They interview a lot of them. And then, um, yeah, I mean, this is all great history because it really shows um, a history of resistance. It shows a history of um, LGBTQ folks, you know, uh, being able to organize themselves, come together um you know, gain their power and really build, you know, their, their movement. And it's really, it's really empowering to watch. And, you know, I really learn a lot when I watch a lot of these documentaries. It teaches me so much. I was looking at, you know, the circumstances and it's interesting because like I'm the type, when I see a movie or a documentary, I'm a Go watch. I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole and watch a whole bunch of other documentaries <clears throat> that have to deal with that, just so I can understand the issue. And, and I think that that's a beautiful thing to state because I think a lot of us are. Even me earlier today, I got passionate. I'm not gonna go into what I got passionate about when we were talking. You know, we talk about you know the pros and the cons of uh, society changing and people feeling entitled to their their belief sets and why they don't accept other people's belief sets. But I think the biggest missing piece out of things is the history of trauma, the history mm. of suppression. No, well, these have it. That's what I'm saying. These I have think, it, And yeah. I think that when you take the time to do that, not that you are investing investing time into, uh, too much time into other people's issues. I mean, we all have to realize that some of our issues are so, Intertwine with each other. It's that so connected. It, it's, you got to go back and you got to read it. You Just like Marsha Johnson, right? I never heard of Marsha Johnson. I, ne- I ne- when I, when I ever heard of Stonewall, right? Mm-hmm. I always thought there was a white LGBTQ movement. Mm-hmm. Who knew that one of the leaders of the LGBTQ AI movement is a black drag queen? I didn't know that till I saw the documentary, and then I saw the Marsha Johnson documentary. Um, all of them on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Also, the Harvey Milk film is on Netflix. You know, Marsha Johnson, her, it's a documentary right now. Her murder was never quote unquote solved. What I appreciate about this documentary, though, one of her drag queen sisters is a, like an elder now, mm-hmm. um, works for, um, oh my God, I forgot. One of the, um, advoc- advocacy groups and is actively pursuing her case. And so, mm. cause you know, there's no statute of limitations on murder, but if they feel they be in the system, feel that your case isn't worth pursuing, meaning you're poor, black, queer, and a drag queen, then, then they'll, they're not going to put any resources behind your case. You have a dead case. So her sister, a drag queen sister 
you know, is in this documentary, like fighting to get to the bottom of her murder. And this is like about 40 plus years old and it still hasn't been solved. They don't solve it in the film. It is a really painful film to watch Mm. because it really shows the conditions of these particular um, drag queens slash trans people. And um, what I find, you know, powerful is that when I look at the movements of the 70s, there were so many movements, you know? We had a black power movement. We had a brown movement, right? They had brown berets and things. We had Black Panthers brown berets. And we had LGBTQ AI movement, you know, the queer movement. And when, you know, whatever folks, you know, however folks feel about, you know, it, 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 it might take certain people a, mo- a minute to step into the 21st century to where we are now. But something that I really see as a theme that's uplifted in these documentaries, right, is that people treat people as if they don't have the right to live. And, like, for the most part, we're talking about human rights here. You know, I mean, across the board, right? A hundred percent. It's like it's like across the board. We're talking about human rights. We're talking about right respect for life, and we're just looking at when I'm looking at it's like wow, people really believe that they have the right to murder people because they don't believe that those people have the right to exist. And for me, that's such a deep psychosis Mm -hmm. to like look at and then when looking at um just looking at the um the the harvey milk one Mm -hmm. right like this guy that murdered harvey milk he was a um he was a so-called family man he was like you know quote unquote like all american like type dude and think of the inverse of that right so he actually went to prison and came out six years later and killed himself. Right? So, that was interesting to me because they were able to get his sentence reduced, way reduced, um, to like manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter. Because they basically had a defense that like, he was eating the Twinkies. You could look this up. I mean, it sounds crazy. They called it the Twinkie defense. I almost, I can't even laugh at it because I don't want to disrespect this man. They said that he was on a junk food diet and that, and it was called a Twinkie defense. And that's how the dude got his thing reduced. Now think about this. This white man takes it. First of all, he was secretary of something. He had a state position, right? In the local government on the state side. He premeditatedly goes ahead of time to the, you know, the government building where they all had their offices, opens a window way ahead of everybody being there, goes inside, has his gun. He goes to the mayor's office first. 
He tells the secretary he got he need to talk to the mayor. He goes in, blasts the mayor in his office point blank, right? Then leaves there, go down the hall to go see Harvey Milk, who's the secretary of blah, blah, blah. Goes up to him, blasts him point blank. So all of that is premeditated and it's two murders and it's crazy AF. But here this dude gets like involuntary manslaughter and they say that his excuse is that he had too many Twinkies and he was high on Twinkies and junk food. And so he only does six years. And it makes sense that he comes out and kills himself. Now, what they show in the film, I don't know if they took creative license, but they show a part where before he goes and kills, um, before he goes and kills, like a, like a day or two before, or I don't know, however much time before, they have like the head of police is in that building too. They call him into a meeting with them. So that's as if to insinuate that the police set it up, right? Now that's in the film. Now I asked my other friend that I was telling you is the elder that's like 60 something. And they said they don't think that that's, has nothing to do with nothing. But in the film, it makes you feel like it's related. The other thing that had the mayor gay in San Francisco? You know, he, let's say like this, you never know who's gay, right? Especially. Sorry, was he openly gay? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know for sure what his sexuality was. I'm going to say the mayor did not present as gay. Okay. And the mayor's image was that of a heterosexual. Okay. Married man. That was his, so, but, you know, he he didn't present that he was in the lifestyle at all, but I can't confirm or deny, you know, what his Understood. actual preference I'm just was. trying to, without seeing it or knowing much about it, just make assumptions. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no, right? Okay. I'm going to say no, I, you know, he didn't, he, he wasn't gay per se, right? Okay. Like, so he wasn't. Like I'm gay. It wasn't like a, the oh the first openly gay man no, of San Francisco. Not at all. No, okay. no, 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 no. I mean, he could be hetero and you know just a sympathizer. Just you know, to see I'm not why sure. he went in and killed the mayor. Because the mayor had been very supportive of okay. Harvey Milk and the policies. Okay. Um, that Harvey Milk put forward to help get gay liberation i see what you're saying you know so he was he wanted to get rid of the government official that was opening up and this is what i'm saying yeah. this is sick you know you murdering people that's really far that's really far in the land of disagreement you pick up a gun to kill two people you're way like that's but you're white you're a white man you 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 go to ahead of time you go in a window like hours ahead of time before people are even supposed to be at work. Go in the window, hide, and with your gun, and then go into office, kill a guy point blank, and go into another office, kill a guy point blank. Come on now. And you get away with it and you get out in six years. I know, listen, five minutes in prison is too long for any human being. But I'm saying, you just murdered two people. Of course. And you get six years? That's crazy. And it's premeditated. And then they make it seem like, oh, he he was on Twinkies. It's a Twinkie defense. Like, really? We're that dumb? Really? We're on junk food? I mean, it's just, 
that's what I'm saying. It's like, that's the reason that we have to, you know, continue to fight. Like, everyone has to continue to fight for the rights because people, you know, people out here killing people, this is crazy. Yeah. It, it, this is crazy. Now, one thing in the film that kind of came out, I don't know if it's true or not, but they made a joke saying that they thought Dan White was in the closet. So I don't know if they was just joking, joking, right? Or if they was like thinking it was, you know, whatever, and then making jokes about it. But I mean, I do have this theory that the most homophobic people is like, why are you that homophobic? Mm-hmm. What are you afraid of? You think it's going to rub off on you like cooties? Ooh, I got gay cooties, right? Like, I mean, this notion that like, this level of hatred, you know what I'm saying? One hundred percent. It's crazy, like. But yeah, it's it's no it's no it, it's our society suppressing it mm. for so long, and it's like if the people who don't, it's not even about agreeing with. It's about letting people have the space to be themselves. Because oh my God. We, please we, say that one more time. That's really so powerful. But I mean, you don't have to agree with someone. It's and to allow them to be themselves, like, and so we just have a long history of people suppressing their own feelings and not learning, mm. knowing how to deal with the things that they feel mm. when they think about their sexuality or the things that they're, they're curious about per their sexuality and because they're tied to a religion mm. because that's how they were raised or a society that has suppressed it for so long, they don't know how to really find the the demon or the 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 issue that they don't know how to 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 clearly label the issue that they have, mm. and they take it out on the people that that don't have that issue. Like mm. I'm gay, I'm fine. Like I'm having the best time of my life, mm. and they're like, "Well, why are you so clear of your of of why are you so clear? Like, why how can you be so mm. so bold and brazen? And I've never had." I've never had the ability to do that because I've been mm. tied to a religion, and so you suck. You're the you're the wrong person. I got to mm. get rid of you because I can't get rid of myself, mm. even though I'm so confused and I want to because I'm so confused. Mm. So it's uh, we we live our there's, there's a there's it's like a pyramid of issues. Is in American culture, yeah. It's capitalism at the at the peak. Then it's uh, miseducation on history, just all messed up. And um, there was a third, there's a third one. It's just mental illness. It's mm. bad. Like when you feel like you don't know how to deal with yourself and you take it out on somebody else, mm. that is a mental issue. Yeah. Flat out. Yeah, yeah. It's a sickness. Flat That's crazy. Out. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I'm glad to see though that to hear so many people um, let down on some of their guards, even men. I, you know, I, I know specifically in the black community, there are a lot of men who feel who feel very strongly about agendas and the demasculization of black the black man. And yeah, at the end of the day, we cannot continue to think that. I don't care if you have a deep voice. I don't care if you have a high-pitched voice. I don't care if you're feminine. And this is the male portion of it. We're not even talking about the women portion, the woman portion of it. But 
we cannot continue to think that there are not all different types of gay people. Like the, the or mis- just people. people. There's all types of people. people in this world. Yes. I mean, I guess for me, it's like for people to say, you know, this is this is my thing, right? For people to say or to negate that, you know, people's existence, right? That's the part that is ruining society. You know what I'm saying? Just like you said. You said you hit the nail on the head. It's the it's the, you know, negating others, you know, ability to just be able to live. Just be able to live. Just be able to be. Like that's the part that's like really far. That's really far. It's, it's like, you know, everyone has the right to just be. Everyone has the right to live and it's this need to like control another person's life control their thinking control their actions like that's bad (laughs) it's hard it's hard for people to even tell themselves like all right i already had a bag of chips i ain't gonna eat another one today then they say pass by a bag of chips and they're like damn what i'm getting at is self-control people don't even know how to control the most surface things about themselves so they project it on other people they project mm-hmm. what they what they feel other people should be doing and how they should be doing it because they don't know how to do it for themselves. But I guess also too, it's um, there is a, I would equate it with an an inherent belief system that this person does not have a right to live. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 the, it's the idea that this person should not be here. This person should not be living or breathing or existing, and they don't have the right to live. That's the premise. Of it, you see what I'm saying, which goes way beyond like any self control issue. It's like a person feeling that they need to eradicate a person from the planet because they don't even believe this person has a right to just that live. That to me is like, and not I don't want to say it's extreme, but because it's happening every second of our day on different levels, that people feel like they have the right to dictate who lives and who shouldn't live. That's what it's all about, and then. People who tell people that their way of living is wrong mm-hmm. and they're going to go to hell or even the vice versa. Like, you know, I don't know, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a vice versa way of like what we were talking about earlier. Like a person who's all they've known is a certain religion and how to identify through that religion and someone telling them that that's wrong. Like you can't tell people that's like unplugging something. That's like unplugging uh, that cord. This, this, it's like we're un- unplugging this recorder from the wall. Like you can't do stuff like that. You can't decide to have something that's been set up and conditioned in a particular way and just unplug it. Like it's gonna go crazy. You know what I mean? So you can't tell people that are used to identifying in something and that are heavily embraced. They got. They spent all their money into it. They invest in. They invest in it and tell them that the what what they're doing is wrong. It's a way that you can communicate your beliefs, but we got to start there. Like I feel like there, there's a couple different ways. You have to the you have to respect, like you're saying, you have to respect people's uh ability to live. Like we are all. That's human human rights is to be able to live freely. To me, you have to start with that premise, though. Okay. If, if if folks aren't starting 
That's true. With I that see. premise, you know, just like just like the uh, water is a human right, right? Mm-hmm. So like, we believe water is a human right, mm-hmm. right? We believe it should not be sold. It should not be commodified. It should not be bottled. It should not be, you know, you shouldn't have a water bill that you pay for. You, it shouldn't be, you know, something that's regulated. Like it should, it just should be like, we need water to live. If you don't have water, you die. And water is a human right. Like you have to have access to, you know, water. If you're going to commodify it, then it needs to be, you know, affordable, you know, but it needs to be fresh and it needs to be clean. And so there is an entire thought process of people who believe that water is not a human right. And to me, that's psychotic, but they believe in capitalism. They believe that people should pay for water. They believe that people who get their water shut off are irresponsible. They believe that, you know, poor people should not have the right to have any joy or access to any pleasure, you know, um, be, and, and, and if they do, then, you know, they're violating the principles of how they feel poor people should be, right? Like, you hear these things like, oh, they didn't, um, they don't have water because they got 11 TVs. Ain't nobody got no 11 TVs. Listen, you mad because poor people have a TV? The whole purpose of this country is the capitalism to have these commercials and to have people buy stuff. So you're actually contradicting yourself if you're a true capitalist because you actually believe in commercials and people buying stuff because your belief system is rooted in people continuing the system I'm going to give you their response. Oh, I didn't make them buy that TV. They chose to buy that TV. I I didn't, even though I'm trying to sell it to them, they didn't have to buy it. Yeah, and I mean, this is the thing. (laughs) I mean, it's just that people believe that what people should have access to and should not have access to and that all goes into the hierarchical type thinking yeah. that capitalism creates yep. and i'm gonna even go further and say it's usually the trifecta which is capitalism i'm gonna say anti-blackness over racism but we can put like the slash there but i'm gonna put anti-blackness slash racism slash white supremacy and then I'll put um, patriarchy, you know, misogyny. Mm-hmm. And this is like, that's the trifecta, you know, is these systems of hierarchical, you know, structures, these systems of oppression. Yeah. Uh, uh, nothing but systems of oppression. Yeah. And this goes back to what you said is people not being able to see themselves outside of those structures yeah right yeah so that's oh my god we gotta dismantle that but it's getting late we're going on and on we gotta get some sleep huh yeah yeah so i don't know this was a pretty good episode what'd you think so far i missed you last week so i love catching up with you so this was good yay you had a you had a you had a good weekend in the city yeah i had a really good week Mm -hmm. um what what do you got up like coming up Pretty soon. When's your pizza thing? We gotta it's, let people know. It's, a, the, it's at the end of the month. It's July twenty eighth. Oh, I'll be showing off some recipes to my loved ones, and I'm excited. I'm really excited. It's starting to all formulate for me more so than what it ever had. So I'm just working on that. Um, that's really it. I'm 
as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to hop back into the documentary. But I had to put, I'm learning how to prioritize and not be afraid to put something down for a second. Because if I truly believe in it, I'll get back to it. So I used I used to spread myself thin and be like, I got to do this, do that, I got to do this. But sometimes it's good to just focus and zone in. And it's mm-hmm. actually it's actually helped me a lot by just being not being afraid to do that. So I'm proud, I'm proud of myself on that. Like I Yay. always feel like I always feel like I'm like letting something go, but that's that's not that's not it. That's me mm. creating that that illusion. So okay. everything is good. Yay! I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Pat. I'm very excited about your uh, the pizza yeah uh, debut. This mm-hmm. is gonna be exciting. I'm excited. It's so, gonna be interesting. Well, for us, we got the retreat that's coming up. Yay, yay. September sixth to the eighth. It's gonna be exciting. It's very exciting. And we want folks to also come to our podcast festival. Yeah. Which is what's the dates again? October twenty fourth through the twenty eighth, Thursday through a Sunday. Yeah. So that's I gonna think be tickets nice. are gonna go on sale soon. Yeah, they are. So that's gonna it's, be that's sweet. gonna be it's a real intentional event. It's, uh, you know, we you know, we gotta have fun. So I think Saturday is going to be a nice party. Friday night, I think Piper is going to be hosting a concert. It's just going to be a lot of different. It's going to be a lot of different things. There's going to be a, a art showing. There's going to be a think tank. Uh, I'm not going to give you all everything, but it's going to be some. It's some real intentional things that are happening. That you know, you don't have to come to all the days, but find a day that you think fits into you know something that you want to be more into that you want to learn more about. Or that's something that just connects you and you want to be with like-minded people. There will be all different things going on. So I strongly suggest you guys start looking for more information on that because that'll be, that'll be a good uh, way to That's going to be on the, the Detroit is Different website yeah. and social media. Mm-hmm. So the month of August... Okay, so once again, the month of July is going to be jam-packed. You got um, the 18th to the 20th is the um, NAACP oh, yeah. National Conference. That's huge. You got the 20th to the 24th. Is the um, it's the Center for Popular Democracy is doing something called the People's Convention. Okay, both of those are going to be at Cobo Hall, and then you've got the thirtieth um, and the thirty first, which is the um, Democratic National Debate. So that's going to be at the Fox Theater. That's going to be crazy. That's going to be. That might be po- okay. That might that's be crazy. Be wild. Yeah, and then so the month of August is going to be packed. You got um, August the third is going to be Neighborhoods Day. Uh, shouts out to Luther Keith. You got um, August the 10th is going to be um, DJ Stacy, legendary DJ Stacy Hot Wax Hale has a women in music festival. It's called Sheometry. Sheometry it is. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be at the Marble Bar. Uh, um, August the 17th, well, 16th through the 18th at the Charles H. Wright Museum is the African World Festival. That's going to be incredible. My favorite event. Now Saturday the seventeenth is the Detroit Rocks the Runway Fashion Show. Who's who? Who, who got something to do with that? Well, you know. <laughs> and then uh, the twenty fourth is going to be the Street Festival, given by Dream of Detroit. We got to get them on here to speak on that. I'm let's do it. One of the co coordinators of that. That's a really wonderful festival by our Black Muslim community. Um, at the Muslim Center right across from Detroit is different. So that's going to be awesome. And yeah, I'm just really, really excited. And yeah. also my sustainable fashion magazine is going to be launching on September. September the 19th. So this is at, at Easter Market After Dark inside of 
uh, the Detroit Month of Design by Design Corps. It's going to be fresh. I'm really excited. Um, so there's so much stuff that's coming up. It's a packed year already. Piper, you just read off all those events like you were reading something. That's Did I? Off the top. Yeah, I read them off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. I got off the top of my head. I mean, I got them all in my brain. Cool. It's just interesting how my brain works. You see them on the calendar? Um, I see them written, and yeah, I see them in my calendar. But, uh, you know, I use those calendars. Brittany mm-hmm. saw my little organizational system I love it. that I use. Yeah, so that's what's up. So I'm very excited. Me too. Oh, also, I'm, I'm really, I really want to do this climate change event. Okay. I want to do a climate change for the hood. I want to do like a, a, a WTF is climate, but I'm looking for a date, maybe end of September, something like that. All right. oh, cross my fingers. So many events. You going to do it on the, on the block? Um, I, I think I want to do it at EMIAC okay. or, you know, something different. Okay. I want to get some different communities um, involved, involved okay. and at the table. That's so. cool. All right. We'll be looking into that. So, yeah. So, um, you've been listening to the Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is different. You want to check us out on Detroit is which is where you can listen to the podcast. You can also listen on all of your podcast listening platforms, such as Apple podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher. By the way, I met recently four very loyal listeners so shouts out to all of you please keep listening um and let us know what you think about the show we really appreciate you and follow us on social media on detroit is different and you can also follow myself piper carter and we will see you next week peace peace remember to like share subscribe and always listen on stitcher google play apple store and spotify you're listening to the detroit is different podcast network Wake up in the morning, do my makeup Every other hustle for the cake up Back and forth, I'm struggling to stay up Seeing all my homies pass me by And I'm like, wait up But life is for the living and this game is for the players Time to take a leap, spread wings, catch some air Cause who said life is fair? Had my struggles with despair Had to step up out the shadows, leave it there Where, when, and why only meant that I decide That's right, that's right, that's right Said I've been so entwined I'm going out of my mind I'm going out of my mind Looking for my shine, forgot to use mine, forgot to use my shine. It took me some time to get into the design. It might take some time, but now I'm just right. Just right, now I'm just right. Now I'm so with a fine tooth comb, I had to pick it, whip it, smack it up, flip it, strip it, right down to that primitive shit. Only can feed when I'm killing it, that's as real as it gets. If it's about me, then I'd probably succeed, but the seeds need more than ever before. So I tighten up my laces just to show them the score. I'm at least poor board since my number is four. Was a poor little rich girl, but this world will either make or break you. And since I know I'm capable, I'ma put my cape on and save a few of those on some unbeknownst. Set a goal and smash Put some money in some hands in my own If they ask, I'm just making it known uh, uh, I said, I've been so entwined I'm going out of my mind I'm going out of my mind Looking for my shine Forgot to use mine Forgot to use my shine It took me some time to get into the design It might take some time
stay sharp. No need to play God, it's yours. Make your mark. Hey, hey. For all my people feeling like we go, we go. Too hard to work a day job, stay sharp. No need to play God, it's yours. Make a mark. Hey, hey. For all my people feeling like we go too hard to work a day job, stay sharp. No need to play God, it's yours. It's yours. Work a day job, stay sharp. Uh, no need to play God, it's yours. 